Hello, and welcome to On The Marie Curie Couch, the podcast that aims to break down taboos and start open, honest conversations about death and dying. I'm Jason Davidson. I'm a social worker by profession, and I've worked in palliative care, hospice care, and bereavement support services for more than a decade. Each episode, we'll be speaking to a well-known guest to find out about how they feel about their own mortality and how their personal experience of bereavement has shaped the way they live their life. Today, I'm on the Marie Curie couch with AJ Pritchard. AJ is a dancer, choreographer and presenter who first appeared on our screens in 2013 when he reached the semi-finals of Britain's Got Talent at the age of 18. Since then, AJ's featured on Strictly Come Dancing as a professional dancer, paired with celebs including singer and presenter Molly King. Never want to shy away from a challenge, AJ's taken part in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, The Challenge, and SAS Who Dares Wins. Alongside his brother Curtis, AJ also performs and hosts live events, and the pair are especially keen to embrace opportunities that get them in a fancy car as part of their Bros Talk Supercars venture. AJ was born in Stoke-on-Trent and now lives in London. AJ Pritchard, welcome to the Marie Curie Couch. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, no, it's um, I'm I'm excited for this in in a more relaxed, calm, neutral, and just a very, very nice conversation. It is good. Well, we've just talked about the aim of the podcast, and you know we're going to be having some conversations about death and dying and some of your experiences. So, can I start by asking if you can tell me about a significant bereavement you've experienced in your life? Yeah, I think for me, when it comes down to death and kind of bereavement, for me, it's always going to be my grandma is my first point of call. She's a person that passed away at a time when it was COVID. So death was, it, it wasn't, death's never a normal thing, straightforward. It should be normal because it happens all the time, but it's never normal because it's something you put in your head like, oh, that happens to somebody else. That doesn't happen to me. It's really weird. Kind of the way I've always boxed it up into a certain mentality. Maybe that's a safety mechanism for me. And I was doing, well, the irony was, I was on a TV show. Um, uh, it was, I was so to get me out of here in Wales that first year when COVID happened and we we're all in isolation. And my grandma had dementia for quite a few years, but she was still, we called it happy dementia in in the aspect of what she was always bubbly. She always loved, oh, I hear this music. I want to dance. I still recognize your faces, sometimes a little bit in and out, but I still know who you are. It, and it wasn't that kind of aggressive side, which unfortunately some people do go down that route a little bit more. Um, so we'd always been saying goodbye to her for quite a few years. So every single time I went to visit, not on Grandad and Stoke and Trent, and it would always be like, oh, this could be the last hug, or this is the last selfie photo or video we take together. Or even one of the ones when I was on Strictly and I was on the front cover of the, the Southern newspaper, we have to make fun of it. It was kind of like, she was like, but this person looks like you. Oh, my God, they have the same name as you. Oh, they even live where you live. Like, I'm like, no, 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 that is me. But but we're filming it. We're having fun with it. Because sometimes, like, if you don't laugh, you cry, and you don't, the emotions are all up and down. But I think the one thing that's really important is always cherishing every moment. 
And sometimes you really feel like it, this is a bad moment, but no, they're the moments that kind of like that moment that I've just said right there. It's so vivid in my brain. It's so prevalent that I will always remember and cherish that in, in, in a positive way. It's it's not a negative way. So I feel like my experience in this scenario with my grandma, the hardest thing was coming out of the TV show, which I sometimes don't talk about a lot because I don't think I've ever talked about this actually. It's kind of weird. It's like, I got told by a team of production, somebody I knew but didn't really know on a family level, that my grandma passed away when I was in the show. And in one side, I was prepared for it because I knew that when I went into the TV show that she'd had a fall, she'd um, unfortunately broke a hip and it was a time of COVID. And there was a lot, a lot of things happening. And, and I kind of, I had already been saying goodbye for five plus years. But still, you never prepare yourself for them words. And kind of like my mom and dad lived half an hour from where the show was being filmed. They came to the hotel room and we obviously sat there and in the most healthy way, kind of cried, laughed, happy, sad, all the emotions that you have in 24 hours. And I didn't even sleep that night. I hadn't slept for like 48 hours after I got the news. Well, one side, because I'd just come out by myself and hadn't eaten any food, suddenly eaten a box of celebrations and give myself a sugar rush for 48 hours. But on the other side, you play back all them memories of good, bad, and different. And I think the one thing that I appreciate in my moment is that I had the opportunity to say goodbye and I'd already dealt with it. Still coming to a funeral and moving forward and being like, no, I'm, I'm going to stand up and talk. It's probably going to sound awful. I'm probably going to mess my words up. I'm going to be crying all over the shop, which I was. But I'd rehearsed that speech so many times too because that was my bullet point on it. And I think one thing that we talk about personally, well, maybe it's just me. I'm I'm not always very good at being in the moment. I'm always like, I jump to the next thing. This is kind of more career-driven and like competitive dancing, maybe. It's like, there's always a room for improvement. There's always something else going on. Whereas actually, when it came down to the actual funeral and the irony with COVID was like, you were actually being rushed. But actually in that moment of time, it was kind of like, no, I'm going to cherish this moment and enjoy doing the speech and enjoy the celebration because for us as a family it was a real celebration of the person that our, our grandma was she was an amazing person so that's kind of my experience with death on that side with my grandma and it's kind of i look at it in it's such a kind of contrast it's it's such a negative but at the same time it's such a positive in in our family in our memory because it was kind of she lived a great life like you get into your 90s you've, you've done pretty well you've uh <laughs> You definitely reached the full journey, that's for sure. You can't say that. And that's one thing that I kind of love. And and again, it comes down to what I think Mario Curie did so well is even if you feel like you don't have a support network with Mario Curie, there's always that kind of safe space. And even if it's hearing other people talk about it, listen to this podcast maybe, or seeing kind of small quotes on social media or on, and seeing that they're doing all the fantastic things like the team warnings and stuff like that, it makes you feel like you're part of something, even at a time when you feel like you could be so alone. And in, in a day and age where social media supposedly brings everybody together, it can make you feel so alienated and actually like you can't ask for help. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. Like you kind of you have everything, the whole world at your fingertips, but actually sometimes you just don't know who to call or you don't know who to talk to. And especially if I'm lucky, I've got my family and they, we are very close, but. I can't imagine if I didn't have my family, how I would have dealt with them scenarios. Yeah, and taking that first step, you know, to kind of reach out. And as you say, it's like, well, who do you reach out to? Sometimes 
sometimes there's too much information it's like well who's going to be able to give me what i need do you know i was really struck there um aj when you were talking about coming out of the jungle castle and being told that your grandma had died and um that time of i mean you were literally eating celebrations so that time of celebration of coming out of that house after succeeding and doing something and being on a high and then getting that news actually you know i was thinking to myself how difficult you know what a really difficult situation to be in but actually it's always difficult it's always difficult to get the news that our loved ones died and you were at work essentially because that's what you do and lots of people can come out of work and hear that news but how was that i think my personality i'm quite ocd i like to be in control of things i like to have like the things around me all very neat. I know where they are. Like I feel comfortable. I feel in control. So when you come out of them scenarios, you kind of, you don't know what you're going to be hit with. The information, like I've done so many TV shows where you don't know what information can be given to you. You've been off the face of the planet for in that case, I think it was 20 days. So you know things have happened. Like it's a time of COVID, even more things have happened. Like you don't know what can happen. And to be hit with a piece of information like that, the first piece of information was trying to control your emotions at the same time as actually the one thing that i've always spoke about in the past is like be kind to yourself like if you do feel happy be happy if you feel sad be sad like your body tells you like what you need to be and in that time like it was a really weird one i didn't know what to be i didn't know if to be happy I didn't know if to be sad i was tired i was exhausted i'm eating i'm eating food now i'm like my whole body mentally is up in the air and physically or the shop and i think it's just that kind of like empty feeling you cry and you're empty and you you're sad but at the same time you're happy because it's all great memories i think it's a really weird mixed bag i think if it was a moment that was really sad and it's it's a shock and a surprise it would be very different for me i tried to i'm always looking for the positive there's always light in the tunnel everything happens for a reason I just don't know what that reason is sometimes and that's probably easier said than done but in this moment it's like there were so many great memories I'd said goodbye to her I got my phone back I could look at photos the last time we were together we took them videos for all these purposes knowing that actually this is probably going to likely happen sooner rather than later so in this instance I'd prepared for that and it was kind of um, really hard but at the same time really positive and knowing my parents were on their way and it was, yeah, a very hard time, that's for sure. I think there's something in that preparation for how, however much we can prepare for it. You know, and as you were saying, you know, and, and lots of people say, I know in my own experience, you know, you can never fully prepare for it. But one of the things we talk about in our work is about having conversations. One of the points of this podcast is about having conversations about death and dying. Yeah. So trying to open up that conversation a bit. Because what we know is if people do have those conversations and do talk about it, either talk about their experiences of loss or if they're caring for somebody who's living with a terminal illness or somebody who's dying, then having those conversations can be helpful, even though they're difficult and hard. And I'm just wondering, it sounds like I was going to ask whether you and your family had have had 
open conversations about death and dying, certainly about your, sorry, I'm saying grandma. Was it Nana? Do you call her Nana? Grandma? I go. I always call her Nana. I don't know why. It's got all the stories for you there, but she's a grandma. No, no Nana makes total sense to me because both my, my mom was Nana. So, um, yeah, you know, I think did, did you and your parents and the rest in your kind of family, were you having some of those conversations about death and dying in regards to your Nana when she wasn't well? Yes and no. I think the best way to explain this on, on a, rather than going to long, long story, when we were both young, myself and Curtis, um, Curtis is um, 15 months younger than me and in his class he had a friend and she unfortunately had leukemia and we were very young we were eight or nine I may have gotten years wrong now one will be like said the wrong years but we were that sort of age we were young but we still understood death and we still understood like somebody's there somebody's not there and myself and Curtis actually were the only two kids from our school that went to the funeral and we learned very early on that we kind of dealt with that situation. It was a situation we all talked about as a family that, like, she was here and then she wasn't here. Like, And we kind of had to grow up very quickly because we were given the information. Our parents made the decision to talk to us and, and say that, um, unfortunately, she's died. Um, she had leukemia. It's a disease. And the funeral was colorful. It was beautiful. She had a small casket. It was, it was, it was uplifting. It was amazing. But we had the time to cry and mourn and the other kids at our school didn't go to the funeral within the same class and we we're only a class of like each class about 20 kids 30 kids so it's a small community everybody knows everybody and the other kids had so many nightmares about not understanding why she was there one day at school and why she wasn't there the next day but myself and Curtis, because we talked about it because we maybe understood it we were treated as adults we didn't have them nightmares. We processed it in a different way. And I think from that very early stage, we kind of, in one aspect, it did make you grow up. It made you value life a lot more when you were younger and maybe going out there and being like that lust for life because you know how precious life itself is and you've been taught that from something that happened very early on. And that experience of talking about it very young I think was a positive thing within our lives because we weren't treated as children in that aspect. And we were protected in the way that our parents chose how to speak to us, but we were given the information to understand what was happening. Because at the end of the day, like we said at the beginning, death is, it's inevitable. It's there, it's around us, and it happens to people at different stages of their lifetime. And I think giving more information and talking about it, treating people as though they should have that information at hand is a better way to deal with it than bottling it up and just thinking it's going to be okay or we'll talk about it tomorrow. The tomorrow scenario never usually happens. And I think that's one thing with children as well. Like you'll have kids and grandparents that kind of, the irony is you have your kids that are being born and grown up and the grandparents are suddenly there and taking care of the kids and then they're gone. The connection between the kids and the grandparents is probably one of the strongest ones more so than even the parents sometimes because parents you have to go to work the grandparents can actually look after the kids and it's something we never really think about in that sort of aspect but your connection is very strong there and you create that connection whilst you're young and you don't even know you are well, you don't remember when you're five six seven you don't like anyone says they do nah i'm not having it but your body does your heart does your soul does 100 percent. so when you do lose them people there's a real loss even if you think you may not have been connect in the past couple of years you you 
probably have deep down. That's for sure. That was so perfectly put, AJ. And I think what I heard there and is our experience through our work is, you know, what your parents did was they protected you by telling you the truth, by being open with you and telling you the truth. And they didn't hide anything because actually hiding it is not so good. So you describing that truth telling you and your brother, as you described being feeling like you were being trapped like adults and actually you were just being taught the truth about what happened. And you were probably given the facts in a way that you could understand as a young child, but actually what that's helped you to do and what it does help to do is to develop a basic understanding about life and death and what death is and how we can feel afterwards. And that's what you've just beautifully described in your story, AJ. And actually, you know, you've also touched on what can happen when um, it's hidden and when it's not open and when it's not discussed, like your friends having nightmares and just not understanding what's gone on. Why was somebody there? And then now they're not there. Yeah, because I feel like people don't talk about it. Like, even slightly coming away from death, death is something that we kind of fear sometimes because it's, it's not understood. But if something's in the dark, don't know what's there, you're, you're afraid of it. And, and just shedding a little light on it and talking about it, and that's the one thing that makes it not so frightening. It's natural. It's not something we should be hiding from. And I think just talking about it is the most important thing. And there's three big points in my life. When we were a child, we had that loss and... And the other big point was grandma and two very different scenarios of loss. And then one other person that I kind of lost when I was 18, 19, a lady that actually helped us um, when we were dancing and financially. And it was another loss from literally messaging the woman one day and waiting for the response to come back and then getting a response from her secretary kind of saying that, unfortunately, she's passed away. And you're kind of like, what? And that loss in itself was one of the reasons why I actually did Strictly Come Dancing because the lady that passed away was always like, take every single opportunity, make sure you really enjoy life. And within that instance, somebody who could have done whatever, in whatever scenario, like you can't get away from the scenario of unfortunately death and passing away. And that was one experience that I found really hard because it was kind of like so out of the blue. What the hell are you expected to do? Like she's still saved as my number one favorite on my call list, the lady is right at the top. And so every time I go to call any of my close friends and family and all that, her name is at the top of my call list. And, and the present she got me as a wallet is my wallet. And I will never get rid of that wallet, whatever. I use it every day. It's with me every single day. And, and it reminds me of her. And it's kind of like somebody who's had such a big impact on my life um, and allowed me to become number one in the world dancing and take Strictly Come Dancing and she was the kind of reason for doing it um, through something so sad, so negative, such a, a loss to the world because she was such a bright light. But then actually without her doing what she did and saying what she said, I maybe wouldn't be in my position now. Like you never know the reason for it. You don't know the crossroads. You will come to a crossroads in your life. And some things are trauma. Some things are, obviously, we're talking about death right now. But these are massive crossroads. And they do impact your life more than you realize. I think the nice thing sitting here talking to yourself now, Jason, is kind of like 
you actually go back and you have that time to really process it and think about it and like my god like you do things subconsciously like the wallet and still saved in my phone as my favorite as number one like then people live with you through on it's not that they're gone and i think sometimes think that people kind of because in hollywood and in films and in video games you, you it sounds so rash and brutal here but you shoot someone in video and the film they die well they're going to come back they're fine it's a video game it's a film but in reality in our world it's like somebody passed away they're gone they're, they're gone but their spirit their kind of what they've done in their life how they've been remembered what impact they've had on other people that never dies that always moves on i think that's the one thing that i always appreciate in my life like whenever i do I say I'm going to do something. I'm, I say I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to come on here. I'm going to be open. I'm going to talk. I'm going to thank you for your time. You thank me for my time. I'm never going to take anything kind of blase. It's like, oh, willy-nilly. You know, if I say yes to something, I do it 100% because I feel like somebody else would want your time. Like, they don't have that time. They, unfortunately, God, like, they would give everything for just one extra second. So that's one thing that sometimes gets me down when I see people not taking the opportunities that I have because I know some other people would do anything for them opportunities and she sounds like she was a really important person AJ and you know I'm I'm struck by what you're saying because actually you learned so much from her in in her life but also you've learned so much from her death does that make sense a hundred percent yeah you have to it's um the more traumatic the experience the more um out of the blue these scenarios happen the more you have to learn from these scenarios because at the end of the day in my personality if i don't learn from these experiences if i don't i'm somebody who would just go a bit like probably off the rails because i like to have everything in control when something happens that you can't control you're like what do i do how do i deal with it so therefore for me it's always about kind of learning and and, and being open to their emotions being like what we said before trying to be kind to yourself even in a scenario where you maybe think well it doesn't matter how i feel somebody's just unfortunately had this experience and i love the fact you mentioned at the beginning when you talked about her that she'd financially supportive and the fact that you've got this wallet and it's like yeah she's still being financially supportive because she's there in the wallet (laughs) yeah i never thought about that actually that's very good yeah marie curie offers free support over the phone to anyone with an illness they're likely to die from and those close to them our team of experts can offer practical and emotional help with medical financial and general queries about end of life and bereavement call our free support line on 0800 090-2309 or visit mariecurie.org.uk forward slash support. You've touched on this already. I just wondered if we could talk a bit about your experience of uh, grief and bereavement. And I think it would be good for people who are listening, I think, to hear about some of the experiences you had. So what grief was like for you, what some of the feelings were um, and emotions and just how it impacted. And then also what helped you and what you found helpful and find helpful with grief. Yeah, I think um, I'm going to talk about it back to front because I think it comes to the point where you hold everything in and, and certain traumas that happen. I'm somebody who was the person who's like, no, I'm never going to talk to somebody. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, but taking that first step and talking to somebody, being open. When I say talk to somebody, I, I mean that in a very broad scope. 
everybody has somebody that can talk to, whether that be family members or friends, or if you do want to talk to someone anonymously, like for me, I've done all of them. And I wouldn't say one, one is right for somebody else. But what I would say is do all of them and find out what works for you. I still kind of, this is a, a little, maybe not a technique, so maybe it's just something I do. Um, like I spoke to a therapist due to a trauma a couple of years ago and we spoke about some stuff, but I always put her in my diary just in 12 months time, just so that I know. I will probably not have that session in 12 months time. I'll probably say to her, I'll come and put it into another 12 months time. But the reason for having the session in the diary is knowing that if I feel like something's coming too much, I know that that's in the diary. And then I think because I think about that certain person who I've spoke to before, what would she say in that scenario? Or what technique would we do right now? What do we do in a breathing technique? Or would we, well, whatever it may be, and that's different for each person. So I'm not going to say what I do personally. It's more like, for me, it's just clearing up my brain. That's the one thing that I found was the hardest to make the first thing to pick the phone up and say to somebody, I need to talk to somebody. Like, I need need to talk to somebody. That was the hardest thing, but the best thing ever. So it comes back down to it. Talking is the one thing that you soon as you said it out loud. And even if you're in a quiet room and nobody's around, saying stuff out loud is such a powerful thing to do. It's a really weird thing to start off with, but when you talk out loud, your brain processes it so differently. Like maybe you think it, but then you can actually hear it. It's like you're increasing your senses. And then the thing that I personally always do, and it's one thing that I know that keeps my body in check, is fitness. I've always danced. I've always kind of used that, channeled that energy. And for me, my mental health and controlling that does come down directly to fitness. So if I go to the gym every single day, or if I go for a a long walk and you see greens and browns, these colors that really make you feel calm, that keeps me in check. And I can feel if I haven't done that for three or four days, I will become agitated. And then I'll realize, well, I haven't done the same thing. I don't know if I've answered your question clearly there, but at the end of the day, what my thing is, it's talking. We say it all the time, and it is the most important thing for everything, mentally, physically, just talking to people. Yeah, and I think that this, I'm just going to say they say, it's like, well, who are they? Um, but people say, people say um, that lots of, the, the majority of the benefits of therapy happen outside of the room or outside of the session. And I think what I got there, just that, you know, I, I love that thing about putting the date and the name and date and time for a year down the line in your diary and actually getting to that point and being able to think, well, I've been given the bag of tricks that I need in these situations. Yeah. So rather than pick up the phone, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to kind of open that bag of tricks and see which one of those strategies is going to help me in this situation and right now. And I think that's, uh, it, it takes a while to get to that point. Um, but, but, you know, I think, yeah, just, no, that, it, that's not an overnight thing. No. Yeah. yeah and I think, and I think it doesn't, and it doesn't just have to be through therapy, but I think if you can have the opportunity to talk out loud, as you described with somebody who you feel safe with and who you feel comfortable with, then what you're doing is by talking out loud and having those conversations and getting that, you're ultimately supporting yourself as well. And so that afterwards, 
you'll be able to go back to that and that will help you. So it helps to kind of build your resilience, um, if you like. What was grief like for you, if you can describe it? What were some of your experiences of it or still are? It's really hard one to process in your brain. Like for me, the word that maybe would best describe it in my aspect is you kind of say the word grief and you just kind of put your head, the second word that would be after grief would be lost. And then that's like a, a process. But for me, it's that kind of empty feeling because at that moment, your body's processing it. And like, in my personal opinion, it's like, as my body is trying to process that information that I've just been given, I feel empty. Like, I don't know if to be happy, sad, hungry, tired, whatever the hell the emotion is at the time or feeling like just nothingness. And that's a feeling that I think people would maybe understand if they've had not maybe not had grief before but even if you do something wrong or you've broken your arm or like for that, that second you're kind of like oh, what the bloody hell's happening i don't know what to do but think of that obviously times 10 times 100 depending on how that connection is with the person but it's a very empty sort of feeling even finding out the queen died like at that moment the whole country like it was a very silent moment and i was the only was I sit in another country filming a TV show and they stopped filming the show on that day. But when we got told, like that brought back all the exact same emotions that I was filming a TV show when my grandma passed away. I'm filming a TV show again. Now the queen just died. Like I was just sat frozen on a sofa when I got told, like kind of slightly curled up into ball, not so much because of the queen passing away because I personally didn't know her, but it brought like, all the same emotions to my grandma. And I just had to get out of the house, sit on the floor in the fresh air, and just sit there until like I could process what happened because for me the grief in the instance is is a very empty feeling because I don't know how to deal with it. I have to go through that in my head. That kind of like as you said, the bag of tricks, perfect analogy. Like what's going to work in this moment right now? And what you're describing, I mean, you know, in, in my work over the years, I've spoken to hundreds of people who are grieving, and they're really normal grief responses so that feeling of emptiness and numbness some people describe it as yes some people talk about feeling um robotic and it's a and it's a really strange experience especially when you go outside and you're walking down the street and life's going on around you yet you're in this kind of empty numb robotic state it's like an out-of-body experience yeah really strange but a very i mean just for people listening it's a very normal grief response um and it changes it lifts I think the body just it kind of goes into a safety mechanism doesn't it and your your brain just kind of tries to tick over all of its things like i need the heart to beat i need the blood pump around the body but that's all i can do right now because i'm still trying to process the information like yeah it's not a nice feeling but you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel you know that your body is taking care of you that's that's how i put it like some invisible person is giving you a, a weird hug <laughs> and you're kind of like it's all gonna be fine I just need to, uh, yeah, take a second or two. Mm. Mm. And and I, I just wanted to touch quickly on on your point about your response and reaction to the death of the Queen, um, and and again a really normal response and reaction. So some people, um, you know, will say, 
I just don't know. I mean, and I'm not talking just about the Queen, but, you know, anybody who, you know, any public figure who somebody might yes, know yeah. might be a pop star. Um, and, you know, people said, I just don't know why I responded. So like, like that, you know, I don't know why I had such a reaction and such a response. But, you know, you you described that, um, one of the main reasons why that is, is because if we've experienced grief and loss, within our own families or friendship groups or people close to us, people who we love, then it can bring up those feelings from the past um, as well. There's that like a cumulative effect and that's what that can be. And one thing, can I ask um, your Nana's name? I didn't ask her name. It's Angela. Angela. Lovely. So just to change the conversation slightly, last few questions, which is linking back a bit to that kind of preparation, you know, for when people are living with a terminal illness. And what we know through our work is if people prepare for death and dying, if they're diagnosed with a terminal illness or, or a family member has been. So, for example, practical things like writing a will and or having some conversations that they want to have that are really important to them with the people who they love, then that can be beneficial for them and for those who are left behind. Can I ask, do you ever think about your own death? Um, I had to remortgage the house and the guy went, so do you have a will? I went, no. He was like, well, I reckon I get one. I was like, I'm 28. I've got no dependents. I've got no kids. Do I need a will? And it was like, I laughed out loud to him because I was like, why do I need a will? But then I got off the phone and I was like, death. And I, I did sit it there for a couple of minutes thinking about what would happen to all, like the, the, for me, it's a normal thing. I'd be like, well, what would happen to all my things? I'm like, okay, well, mom and dad would get it. Then curls would get it. Cool. But I was like, it's not something I like to think about because for me, I like to visualize. So the reason why I, I improved so quick when I danced, I, I had to... Um, dyslexic on one side and some other traits but i always have to visualize something so i would always visualize success i would always visualize what i want and i would never allow any other things to kind of get into that line i would always have blinkers on and I would only focus on the thing i want to and if something knocked me off that line i would find another positive line and then i would turn it into a positive so in my mentality i never think about the negative things even though they could happen and even in that scenario right then, I couldn't really process it. I just went back onto a positive thing. And it was kind of like a weird purple of saying the word will and then saying, well, what happens if you die? And I still haven't dealt with that. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I've just kind of thought, like, my life's busy. I love what I'm doing. If anything, it just made me think I appreciate my life even more, thinking that, oh, I could die. I am going to die at some point. Well, I'm going to appreciate what I have and who I have around me even more. So I don't know. How did? How do you think about it? I think because of the nature of my work and my job, then often when you're faced with death and grief, um, it can bring up thoughts about your own mortality. So I've certainly found through the course of my work that, yeah, I've thought about my death quite a lot. Um, but... Actually, my next question was going to be about legacy and whether that was important to you and how you'd like to be remembered. But I don't want to push that question if it's not something you want to think about. Um, no, I think but... le legacy is a simple one. I just, I just want to live the great life and for me to, all the people I've always met, always had a positive impact on. It's quite simple. And 
the businesses and things that I do and opportunities that I have been able to kind of reach a large audience. It's just always have a positive impact on people and not have anything negative. I think like I appreciate what I have. I believe in karma. Good things come to good people. And I live by a quite simple code, really, to be honest. Um, and I obviously want to provide for the family that I'll hopefully have in the future. And um, financially is on one point because unfortunately in this day and age, um, without money, it's quite hard to do a lot of things. And, and financial freedom is one thing that I do put a bit of pressure on myself so that in the future I can choose to do what I want rather than have to make decisions that I feel like maybe I would want to say no to because it doesn't represent me. Mm, thank you. My last question, how's it been for you today, AJ, being on the Marie Curie couch? It's been really nice to take that moment and sit back and put some time and thought on them people because then people mean so much to me and but again like you kind of said with the legacy side and um, just i appreciate life even more so when we have these conversations and i just hope this has helped somebody um on the other end because if anything yeah it's definitely helped me that's for sure every time you talk about these things it it's like um you're not just giving for other people you're also helping yourself deep down i think for me it helps me as much as it hopefully helps somebody else well, thank you, AJ, for joining me on the Marie Curie couch. No, thank you, Jason. Thank you for your time. You've made it a very safe space for me. That's good to hear. And thank you for sharing some of Angela's story and and for being so open and honest. And it's been a real joy to meet you. Uh, thank you. So that's all for this episode of On the Marie Curie Couch. We hope it's got you thinking about matters of life and death and perhaps starting those conversations with your own friends and family. Marie Curie's here to help. From planning ahead to coping with bereavement, you can talk through any concerns you have around the end of life with our support line team, which also includes specially trained nurses. Call us on 0800 090 2309 or search Marie Curie online. This podcast is produced and edited by Marie Curie with support from Ultimate Content. The music featured is Time Lapse by Pan Oceanic. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do like and subscribe. Thanks for listening and until next time, goodbye.